you're doing something, make sure there's a reason why you're doing it. It's, um, you know, based on, um, you know, some theoretical or conceptual uh, knowledge of why it should work. Um, and then, um, and then just don't be afraid to be creative. Like someone might not have done what you're doing or you, it might be out of your comfort zone, but um, you know, don't be afraid uh, to try new things. Driven by doing is how the world moves forward. A show where students, professionals, and entrepreneurs share their stories, how they learned from their failures and got to where they are today to inspire all of us to be the better version of ourselves. This show is sponsored by Career Quo. Connect with the mentor today. Hello and welcome to another episode of Driven by Doing. Today we have got Aura Turner. Aura, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me here. Yeah, so Aura works at the intersection of education, technology, policy, and research. She has got great background and expertise, especially in the at tech space, and uh, she is one of the co-founder for AI uh, Forum. So I had the pleasure of connecting with Aura a couple of times uh, so far, and I'm super excited today to actually talk to you and learn more about you and how did it all got started and where you are today. So going back uh, to, uh, so where are you originally from, uh, Aura? I am originally from St. Paul, Minnesota. So from those not familiar, it's up by Iowa, North Dakota, South Dakota, Wisconsin. Um, so I grew up there, born and raised um, with my parents <laughs> who are both from Mississippi, which is kind of interesting. Uh, but I was um, one of seven. So I have three older brothers and sisters and three younger brothers and sisters, and I'm right in the middle. <laughs> wow. So did you go to school uh, in Minnesota? Um, yeah, through high school, but when I graduated, um, my original plan was to go to Georgia Tech, <laughs> but my um, parents just wanted me to get a different um, experience, so I ended up going to a historically black college university in Nashville, Tennessee, um, which I'm grateful for, um, and then I ended up transferring to another uh, HBCU in New Orleans um, and finished out and graduated there, but I majored in physics. So, wow. So after that, now you are actually uh, a researcher uh, and a scholar at uh, University of South Florida, and uh, you're just about to finish your uh, doctorate degree as well. And uh, could you tell me a little bit of how did you get to uh, University of so South Florida and uh, what is the, the research area that you're currently working on? Yeah, so um, once I finished my um, bachelor's, you know, I wanted to continue in the space of physics. Uh, so I um, ended up, you know, applying a bunch of different places, but um, they had a program that I originally was interested in. Um, it was more like biomedical physics type of deal. So um, they're starting a new program here in Tampa. So I applied, so I got my master's at University of South Florida. Um, but right, I was working as um, a nuclear physicist, actually. <laughs> um, on the campus, they have what's called um, the uh, Moffitt Cancer Research Center. So I was actually doing research, uh, cancer research for um, breast cancer and brain cancer. Um, but then I ended up getting married and you know having children. So since I was working with really 
high energy radioactivity. I did not want to harm my child. So I kind of um, got out of that um, and did like a 180 um, getting into education. So uh, when I went to put my son into preschool, I was kind of like, honestly, didn't trust anyone. Like, what are they going to be teaching him at preschool? Um, so I ended up taking a job as, you know, at the preschool. Uh, and so when he moved up to elementary, I became an elementary teacher. When he moved up to middle school, I became a middle school science educator. And then it um, uh, turns out I really loved teaching. So, um, you know, I also taught um, high school physics. And then um, I did informal teaching at a um, regional science center uh, here in Tampa. And also ended up teaching astronomy at the community college level. And um, to your question, why I ended up going back to get my PhD is um, during my time as a middle school uh, science teacher at a Title I school, um, these are the students that, uh, you know, everyone says they can't learn. And um, even though they were in eighth grade, they were like at a third grade reading level, but I was able to harness technology to just really um, empower them. And, you know, I just saw them bloom and grow and they really learned uh, the way I was teaching them. So instead of covering content, I was actually creating experiences. Uh, so, and then I also put the technology in their hands. So instead of um, just taking the test, um, you know, I would be like, well, um, use this book cam to make me a movie to show me, you know, what you understand. Or I turn my whole classroom into like the digestive system to teach them about it. Or, uh, we'd go outside on the track and, you know, run, play basketball, football, to learn about, um, you know, force in motion. So um, once I saw, you know, just the potential of how technology could use, you know, empower these students who people said couldn't learn, I wanted to go back to get my PhD because I want all teachers to be able to teach the way I was teaching. And so um, that brought me to my um PhD, so my research areas, uh, game-based learning and assessment. Uh, but once again, I don't like doing things the normal way. So I um, was like, how can we use games to, um, one, as a form of assessment, um, but also how can we use games to address the inequities that are in science education? Um, so black and brown students uh, tend to always be at the bottom. They hate science, they don't do well. Um, so I always also wanted to address that issue, like how can we get rid of the barriers to their learning? Wow, that is just simply amazing. And just hearing uh, your ideas and thoughts, like you, you went on to just just move along with your kid to kind of like you know, learn what that experience looked like, and just seeing through the eyes of a parent trying to learn and see how their kid is learning today with this new technology, because. The way we learn might be completely different how kids are learning today uh, with all the technology around them and uh, very interesting research uh, when I came across uh, your research uh, at the University of South Florida and recently I heard your presentation at the EdTech conference. That's what like, really intrigued me and how you create, you're trying to create an experience uh, for kids and for students from, uh, from different backgrounds and from all around the world, giving that tools in their hands is super powerful. And sometimes we might not realize the potential that they have. And you rightly mentioned that, hey, eighth grade, eighth grade student is actually still trying to uh, do it in the, in the third grade, uh, how, how he learns, right? You see what I'm saying? So 
so having that game based approach is it's super cool uh, for even kids to kind of like you know have that exposure and also that's how everybody is learning today they are using technology and if you make it much more easier to them they're going to love it even more uh, to learn to educate and especially you are trying to even concentrate in those especially those um, those areas where there is um, marginalized communities that is super yeah. important and it is you even going one step further uh, because we might see technology where students might be loving to use in a private school right so you are going yeah. deep to the next level where there is a need there is a must need uh, to be able to like you know, give the tools to everybody equally and creating that equity is super important and i'm so proud of your work and your research and it is definitely is going to not just change the way that we are learning but also giving those right tools uh, to provide an equal opportunity for all and uh, thanks for uh, such a great work and <clears throat> and coming back to your mission to empower everybody and where do you see and especially given everything that is going on in the world today uh, especially with covid and uh, people are talking about disrupting higher education and where do you think higher education is going in the next 5 to 10 years um well i actually worked like um just my previous position i was uh, the assistant director at the uh, office of undergraduate research so i got to you know interface and work with a lot of students um, and every summer we hosted um, these um, pre-college um, summer programs. So we got to work with students who were about to come into college. So I just think that higher education is starting to wake up to the fact that they have to center students um, in how they're doing education. Like before it was just kind of like, this is the way it's done. You have to conform yourself and learn the way that we have it set up, you know, this lecture-based, um, just knowledge, you know, base, like, oh, take the notes and then give it back to me. But um, the problems, like what we learned from our summer programs is that we can actually start introducing students to the problems of today. And it requires totally different knowledge base, totally different set of skills, and totally different um, mindset. Um, and so I think, say like people such as myself um, and other, you know, I call them emerging scholars, you know, are starting to do uh, research that's showing, hey, these ways are more effective and, uh, you know, show better results. So I think like the, like my university is a rather young university, like we're only, you know, 60 something years old. Um, but so we're able to pivot and really look at what is it that students really need. Um, and we have, you know, recruiting professors who aren't, you know, thinking just the traditional way. Um, and we've seen a lot of, um, you know, student success, especially for like um, Hispanic and African American students at my university. Um, so we're actually becoming a model here in the nation. So I just think uh, it's just a pivot moment uh, for professors to think about what's important and it's the students and, um, you know, equipping them for real. Like we always say, oh, 21st century skills, you need to be critical thinker and problem solver and 
um, but then we don't actually do it. So um, that's kind of the space I'm in. Like, okay, how do we actually do this? Um, and you do that once again by creating experiences. So to me, um, I've taught at all the different levels, but one thing I learned from, you know, being a preschool teacher, elementary, high, college, university, is that um, people learn from experiences, like they don't learn from lectures. So, so the same game-based, you know, approaches, scenario-based learning um, works at the college level just as well as it does at the middle school level. So um, I think with the tools, um, which is also big on my campus, like our School of Pharmacy is doing some awesome things with virtual reality, augmented reality, you know, mixed reality, um, you know, game-based learning. So yeah, just using all these um, emerging technologies for education. That is simply awesome. Uh, and like you mentioned about augmented reality and mixed reality. And what are so some of those aha moments that when you're starting to dig in deep about these emerging technologies where students have, might have a better chance of understanding the concepts or having that experiences, like what are those aha moments that you had to uh, go through uh, while you're researching in these uh, specific areas? Are there any moments that, hey, like, no, this, this is awesome. Like, you know, when you started testing with students that you haven't realized it first, but you started to realize when they're actually doing the testing. Uh, are there any movements of that nature? Um, actually, just recently, like, um, as you mentioned uh, earlier, I'm currently um, co-founder and chief learning scientist at the American AI Forum. And so we are creating... Uh, we have created a curriculum that teaches high school students about artificial intelligence, uh, but we're doing it in the context of work. Um, and, you know, there's some other great organizations out there that are, you know, teaching students about artificial intelligence. They're doing it more from a technical aspect, you know, such as coding and programming. Um, but we are coming at it from a um, non-technical, more like social, cultural, political, um, economical aspects. And so um, the content is very different. Um, it's more based on, you know, pop culture or just things that are in the news today. And so uh, what, you know, when I was developing it, you know, what I was thinking is, hey, I think this will really resonate with students, like while they're exploring these jobs, they can learn what artificial intelligence is and what it does. And um, we just did a pilot in Akron, Ohio about a month ago now, and it was just through the roof. Uh, you know, as you said, we're in the middle of a pandemic, you know, students are, you know, having to adjust to being online, but we had students that were finishing our work and ours was like voluntary and they weren't doing their required, you know, <laughs> so they were like really excited, you know, like, whoa, this, you know, algorithmic bias, or, oh, I didn't know AI was being used, you know, for choreography or for cooking. Or, um, and so we're now doing a second pilot um, with a program here in Tampa, Upward Bound, and we're seeing the same results. So it's really resonating um, with students. It's not like, um, and we're showing them you don't have to be a STEM major. And uh, that's something I always say, like, even though my background is physics and I love, love, love science, <laughs> um, I don't think we need to stematize 
everything. <laughs> we just need to like, hey, this is artificial intelligence. And if you want to be a journalist, this is how you can use AI with journalism. Oh, if you want to be a chef, this is, a, you know, I don't need to turn you into a, a programmer. <laughs> wow, so. that is just awesome, Aura, because the applications, you are directly going into the next step. Like, yes, of course, there are like you know, a lot of startups who are like you know, trying to teach people AI and how to code, how to, how to like, you know, learn coding. But I think there is a, this huge aspect of like, you know, the whole experience. That's what you are trying to target. And you also talked about the social, cultural, and political. Like, you're almost targeting the same audience, but from a different angle altogether. I think that's what the, the real amazing thing uh, for all of us to uh, learn more about AI Forum. And in fact, this is just one getting started off the ground. And this can be applied for any technology. And yes. looking at those experiences and giving those experiences, like, you no, know, just, just giving me goosebumps because that's where my uh, research and like, you no, know, that's what I am trying to learn as well because I'm more interested in the game-based learning. That's what I, I am trying to like, you know, create experiences. Hey, like, you no, know, we can help learn anybody with anything. You do not have to have the knowledge or the background in that specific area because in my research, what I kind of understood for the last two to three years, especially talking with, uh, these are like you know graduates and professionals and the next level right so you're starting from the scratch scratching the surface of the ground level where i was like trying to focus on hey like you know what i found out was out of all those students who are coming out of high school like 80 percent of them do not know where to uh, what to work on or what is their major is and especially i talked with hundreds and hundreds of undergrad students and they change majors often, trying to figure out what is the best thing for them. Because they are trying to figure that out while going to college, which is, which is increasing their student debt and which is not yeah. super exciting for them. And they had to go through that pain of trying to learn what they really want to do in the rest of their career. And sometimes, yes, I was just talking to a, a, a assistant vice chancellor at, uh, at a university last week and he mentioned that hey, you know what, I did a, my bachelor's in music and uh, I didn't really know what to do in my career. And my parents told me that, hey, you go out there and try to, try to do whatever you wanted in your life. They gave him the freedom. However, what I learned was sometimes that he, he mentioned that, hey, I, I did my bachelor's in music and then I started to realize that, hey, it, it doesn't pay well. Yes, I'm a part of a small band and I had this huge student debt. I don't know, like I cannot uh, just, just take time or just be on a band for like one or two years because the student debt is raising. Like, you see what I'm saying? Like there is that yeah. balance again. Like people should know even before going into college to really understand, hey, like, you know, what's, what are the jobs out there? Like what I'm what I'm going to do for the next three, four years, because that's time. And it's not just the, the amount that they are spending to get that degree, but it is their time and effort. And if they can understand, hey, like, you know, this is what is going to really help me. And this is what I really like. And once I graduate, whether it is STEM or whatever the degree is, yeah. that is actually going to help me in my career. And once I get to that next level, get a job, now that is next step where I'm going to learn the next piece of it. Like, hey, now I understood. Hey, this is what it is. This is my experience working on this job. Now I'm getting exposure to 
several different things. I'm getting exposure to marketing. I'm going to ex exposure to finance. Now I kind of like, hey, I'm setting my level field now. Okay, now I'm in a corporate environment. Now I understand these different areas where I'm getting exposure to. Now I can go for an MBA in finance or marketing or whatever that I really like to do for, as a next step. So what do you think, like, you know, students uh, from an experience standpoint that we can help students, especially in their high school, to really understand and what major that they can choose to get to where they want to go in their career? Yeah. Well, my approach, um, as I said, I work at the Office of Undergraduate Research and just even dealing with middle schoolers and high school students, um, like my approach to what you should do in the future is very different. So I personally never ask a student, you know, what do you want to do when you grow up or, um, you know, what do you want to major in college? I always ask students, what problems do you want to solve in the world? Mm. And so when you ask them that, that until, or I ask them, you know, what do you really care about? Um, who do you want to help? Um, and that's what we did at these um, summer programs. And we would just get these phenomenal projects. So uh, say I care about, you know, water quality for poor people, of, you know, um, in other countries or even here in this country. Okay, that means I'm going to need, you know, chemistry, I'm going to need engineering, I'm going to need some policy. And so when you focus on the problems you want to solve, I think that guides what you should major in or whether it's sort of, and I also don't just believe in a um, four-year university, I think, because um, me, myself, even with my PhD program, there were some skills I needed that weren't being offered by my university. So on my own, I, um, you know, I'm a self-directed learner, so I went online and took free courses, um, MOOCs, which are massive open online courses. I took a ton of those. Um, and so I took a bunch in um, uh, game design because at the time they didn't have any, no one's doing anything with game design, but games is something I was interested in at the time. Um, and I did end up, you know, developing quite a number. So I would just tell students, you know, get the skills you need for the problems you want um, to solve. And there's a bunch of places to get that education from. And so I always share those resources, you know, whether it's a MOOC, whether it's on YouTube, um, there are just so many free resources out here. There are so many books um, that you can get. And then just one last thing is I also don't believe uh, you have to limit yourself to doing one thing. So at the top of the show, you said I work at the intersection of education, technology, um, policy, and research. Um, and I'll probably be adding something else to that in another two to three years, you know, because I don't believe in either or. I believe, why can't we do them all? Like, I can do education and technology and policy. So that's my that, take. That, that is awesome because, like, that's what I tend to do. Like, okay, like, you know, why don't I learn about entrepreneurship? Why don't I learn about digital marketing? And sometimes people, like, uh, see that as not a focus. Right, no, that's what we kept hearing. And you know what? Like, I'm mean, I, my focus is education. That's what my single focus is. I'm trying to learn all these different skills to actually apply on what my focus is. So my focus is just education. That's what you're trying to do as well, right? Your focus is helping kids learn the easiest and most fun, provide that most fun to help them engage and learn in that environment. 
so that's your focus as well right so when when people see us like you know trying to do several things then like you know, that's where uh, that's what like you know, my answer is like what what's your answer uh, what's your take on it uh, or yeah i mean i've gotten that from my professors they're like you should only be doing this one thing but what i like to say and i found this to be true in my life like um you know i've been a part of some amazing opportunities internships fellowships um is because i think it allows you to come up with much more interesting solutions to problems so say if you're if i'm in an engineering space everyone around me you know uh when i you know when i was coming up through my degree is mostly you know white males or from africa india china no black females are there but because i have this background in um you know early childhood education because i have done this thing in game-based learning when i approach the same problem they're looking at where they have the traditional you know physics and you know statistics and calculus they're going to tend to come up with the same types of solutions um, but my background is very, you know, diverse. I think that allows me to look at problems in a totally unique and different way. Like I can apply, say like if you were in nursing, but you started working for um, an education firm, you might, you know, you know, look at things very, or from the environment. Um, and I actually just had that happen. Um, I was working on a project with um, disinformation and deep fakes. Um, and so instead of just making the traditional report that you normally do at the end of something like this, I actually end up making a um, game-based fiction tool, a media literacy tool. So in this game, you're taking on the role of like a political candidate, and then all these different things that have to do with disinformation and deep fakes, you're kind of, you know, working through it in this game. And they were like, you know, these are policymakers, they're like, this is great. Oh my God, I would have never, you know? So I just think it um, just allows you with this um, disparate backgrounds to come up with more interesting solutions to problems. That's just amazing. So what do you tell like, you know, any students who wanted to dive deep into game design or what are the free resources that they can get started with? Um, well, as I mentioned, the massive open online courses, which are MOOCs, so there are platforms that are offering these um, free classes from places like um, MIT and Stanford, Berkeley, like University of Michigan are top uh, institutions. Um, so Coursera is, um, you know, a big one. Um, there's one called edX. Uh, that's through um, MIT, or even if you just Google, because there's um a bunch of them uh, there's one called canvas.net uh and they just have courses in anything you can imagine from the very technical to you know history or poetry or just other different things um also on twitter if you um that's another huge place where i've just gotten so much from um and following different people and really innovative um, educators on there um, as far as LinkedIn, it's like powerfully incredible tool um, to just connect with people and follow people who are doing this great work. And they also let you know about opportunities. Um, so I would say those are the top three. And then of course, YouTube, um, but those you have to kind of vet those more um, carefully. But uh, those are just some of the um, free ways to get started quickly. Like you can get started today, like right now. Uh, 
great resources and again uh, thanks for sharing those and uh, coming back to uh, the whole uh, artificial intelligence and where do you see the future of work as especially with the impact of uh, the ai um well most people focus on the you know robots are going to take my job you know they focus on the you know loss of jobs you know due to automation um, however, with the course that we are developing, instead of, you know, human versus machine, we really focus on human plus machine. So we're trying to show them that um, you don't have to just be a consumer of this technology. We're really encouraging them to also be a creator. So if you're, say, like, you know, in transportation field, which has, you know, a pretty high probability of being automated, there are some opportunities there. Um, because with AI, there are things that machines are really, really good at, but there are things that humans are really, really good at. So how can I, you know, use this to augment, you know, what I'm doing? And so if we get people to look at it that way, like how can I use this new technology to, um, you know, create new and better ways of doing jobs, uh, you know, instead of, you know, kind of stoking the fear then I think we can really just not even imagine the types of jobs um, that we'll be able to have in the future. And that's what we're doing with our students through our course. Wow, wow. So since you're already testing uh, this, this game theory and helping like you know, a lot of schools, and there are great insights that you're getting as you're working with more and more schools. And again, coming to the instructional design side of things, and you're an expert in that area as well. So what do you think, like, what do you suggest people listening to this uh, who are teachers or who are professionals, just from an instructional design standpoint, uh, how to get started in ways that help students or anybody who's, whom they are teaching uh, to really, really take advantage of this new emerging technologies? Um, I think just the main thing, like when you're creating anything, whether it's, you know, a lesson plan, a worksheet, a game, um, even just a slide presentation, like you really do have to um, start with your audience. And so um, like for what we're building, like I did a lot of research on the front end about who these students are. So this is Gen Z. These are, you know, students who were born, you know, after 1995, some say 1997, but what is it they're into? Um, where do they get the majority of their information? What is it they're interested in? Um, so because I know 90% are on YouTube, okay, that lets me know I need to have a lot of, you know, multimedia video content. Um, for this generation, it's really important to them, you know, civil rights and social justice issues. So I need to make sure that my examples um, and, you know, what I'm covering incorporates those types of issues um, into it. Um, they really are concerned, uh, you know, the generation now about, you know, financial stability and having a good job. And that's why we chose um, careers as the context for learning. So the success we're seeing, I, you know, I'm like happy, but I'm also, um, you know, not surprised, uh, which is my second point. Make sure what you're doing is evidence-based. Um, so look at people who have already, you know, done research or work in this area. Um, and a lot of times the principles are already there. So don't just make up stuff on your own, like go to, you know, if you're doing something, make sure there's a reason why you're doing it. It's, um, you know, based on, um, you know, some theoretical or conceptual 
uh, knowledge of why it should work. Um, and then, um, and then just don't be afraid to be creative. Like someone might not have done what you're doing, or you, it might be out of your comfort zone. But um, you know, don't be afraid uh, to try new things. You know, or that's even, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's such a great advice uh, because uh, trying different things is how you learn. Because sometimes what you learn in class might be completely different once you start working. Because that's what we all mm -hmm. realize getting degrees from colleges right so the way that we work outside class is completely different uh, is what we actually learn in class and sometimes even i was talking to the other day i was a digital marketer he said like hey i got a master's in marketing and what i do now has nothing to do with what i learned in class everything that i mm -hmm. learned is actually at work so mm -hmm. what are those opportunities that you see where even in the higher education space that can make a little bit more difference to students to get that real exposure uh, mm -hmm. instead of like you know, just learning the, the way we have done it for decades? Um, like, I, and I always go back to what we were telling our students, you know, at the Office of Undergraduate Research, but you can um, set up informational interviews. So I myself have just gone on LinkedIn oh my gosh that's amazing i like what that person's doing you reach out to them and then just ask them questions about what is it really like to be a lawyer or what do you do on a day-to-day -day as you know a construction worker um shadowing people um if there are people you know in your family in your community your neighborhood hey do you mind if i just hang out for a couple of hours and um watch you know what you're doing um there's always um you know internships uh, that you can apply for, but you can also volunteer. Like, and a lot of times, um, you know, those volunteer opportunities can actually turn into a part-time job or something. Um, so I know myself coming up, and um, which is one of the reasons why I went, ended up going into physics, uh, there are just um, other community-based programs, um, say like Upward Bound, or I was part of a program called Inroads, um, but they gave high school students internships. So I was in like 11th grade and I had an internship at 3M. Um, and then my senior year, I had a, you know, internship at a Mayo Clinic. So these are like top, you know, and while I was there, I was just like, oh, this is amazing. I want to do this. Um, so um, yeah, there's, you can, even if it doesn't appear, and I always have in my mind, um, you know, students from, um, you know, marginalized backgrounds, you know, I myself kind of grew up in, um, I guess what some people would consider, you know, poor. Um, I did not know I was poor at the time, but um, uh, yeah, you can make your own um, opportunities. Like if you just connect with someone, hey, I just read your paper, just wanna say, hey, I really liked it. Even if they don't have an opportunity then, just still, um, keep in touch. Um, you can start doing your own research projects. Like you don't have to be in college to do research. Like I remember just doing small projects myself, you know, by, you know, going to the library or, you know, being on a computer, like, hey, I wonder what happens when you do this, and just reading up on stuff. So um, there's just a lot of things you can do with, just use what you have, uh, is what I'll say.
that is amazing and again like all the people who who are listening to this uh, podcast episode i think there are lots of learnings that they can actually start right away uh, to get it off the ground of whatever the work that they are doing or whatever the area that they are interested in to learn about and i think uh, i had so much uh, pleasure talking to you as well and and now coming uh, to the next part of things uh, where you're also working on a very interesting project for uh, florida school safety and uh, for protocol project and why do you think uh, the data driven uh, school safety is super important now more than ever before yeah i think just because um we're at a point where it's finally come to the forefront about unintended consequences you know with technology i think before it was just hey we create you know a system um you know we put the data into it and let it run and it it will be perfect um but uh just moving forward you know safety has become a number one concern um in light of covid i'm not sure how that will work um but just the role that we have allowed technology to play in our schools i think is more you know coming under the microscope um and then if we just step back from that and look uh especially with the uh protest we've had recently how things like um you know facial recognition um and just these surveillance <laughs> technologies that are being used um and then just with big companies you know dismantling their facial recognition you know programs because of bias um i think it can't be denied like before it was just kind of like oh, that was just a instance of it happening but we see bias you know in who gets to make the technologies um bias and how the technology is being developed and then bias can enter in when it's deployed and so i think when it comes to schools we definitely have to look at answer those questions like yeah i think uh, again like now again uh, kudos to working on that uh, very special project and because that is going to like really shape a lot of schools uh, from across the country so i think i really appreciate your work on it and i thoroughly enjoyed again once again uh, talking to you today and uh, thanks for uh, having some time to talk to us and those are those are listening to this podcast i hope they really enjoyed the the show uh, you as a guest and sharing those great insights uh, of like on game based learning and how we need to think from a, from a problem standpoint and you kind of raised a very uh, unique point where instead of asking students Uh, or kids at a very early age what major to choose or what major they are interested in asking the right questions of what problems that they wanted to solve or what their true interest is at that early age will actually trigger so many different opportunities and uh, and even from a parent standpoint it is actually going to uh, make them feel good that hey my kid wants to solve a problem and in water or like now there are so many poor countries around the world and asking those right questions is super critical and thanks once again for being on the show and if people who are listening to this wants to reach out to you where they can uh, where can they find you or um i am on twitter at od tanner i'm also on linkedin you can just do ora d tanner or you can email me at ora which is o r a at aiforum.org thank you so much uh, pleasure talking to you 
Yes, thank you so much for having me on. This was great. Awesome. Take care. Okay.